Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today, and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. What's going on, friend? And welcome back to another episode of Elevate. And today I have a good friend of mine, Mr. Tanner Niels, who came into my life um, last year and he's one of uh, 2021, yeah? Or 2022? 2022. Yeah? Something like that. Something like that. Early Somewhere around, the, so I feel like I'm not a forever, but he's one of the first people that really got me to understand the different behaviors and patterns and thought processes of different types of people. And I thought it would be amazing for him to come on and talk and share about some of his wisdom when it comes to archetypes, archetypal patterns. And one thing that he brought up just a moment before we started this podcast was talking about fears and different patterns in different archetypes when it comes to their fears. So I'm really excited to dive in. But before we get started, Tanner, for the people that don't know who you are, what you do, what you're about, can you please take a moment to introduce yourself? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tanner Niels. I specialize primarily in direct response marketing um, in the personal development in psychology and human behavior industry. So I work with a lot of big time, big thought leaders and people that uh, are out to help others, to coach others, to, to spread their knowledge of human behavior and relationships and all that kind of stuff. So I get to be in the room with some, some big thought leaders and authors and everything like that and soak up that, that wisdom and, and help them spread the word to everybody else. Amazing. So Let's dive in with the archetypes that you know, and can you tell us a little bit about each of them um, and what separates them? What would be the main character traits or temperamental patterns of individuals in each? And then we'll kind of dive into some of the things around relationships and things around fears that each of those might cultivate as either patterns within their lives um, or dynamics between them and other people. There are four main archetypal natures that we have and every single person will possess all four of them to some degree and so we have the sovereign we have the warrior we have the magician and we have the lover now kind of as all the names state you can understand you know the sovereign the king or the queen the person who is in charge of workability that cares about everybody else and making sure that the village can run smoothly they like to be on time they like to have a plan you know they like to, I shouldn't say they, because it's just a quality that we all have, right? That's the part of you that that enjoys knowing that there's a plan in place, that people are taken care of, that things are going smoothly, right? And then we have the warrior, right? The warrior is exactly as it sounds. It's the part of you that stands up, that says something, that looks at injustice and has to speak up. It's the part of you that is willing to protect your family, that sees wrongdoing and says, I got to do something about that. Or it's the part of you that maybe some people repress, right? We all maybe have a negative conflict with a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever, or a person. And you might not say something, but there's that little voice that creeps up in your head that's, that's angry about it. You know, they triggered you. You don't say anything out loud, 
but that's the thing that bugs you later on. And so that's that warrior energy that a lot of people repress, unfortunately, right? Warrior energy is the doer. It gets shit done. It says, here's the plan. Step-by-step guide. Awesome. I'll see you in a week. I'll have it done. No problem. That's the part of you that says, that gets up. I'm going for it. Next, we have the magician. The magician is wonder, spontaneity, fun. Tanner. They... Yeah, yeah, me. <laughs> and so, so magicians, man, that's a part, that's a part of you that may not be always on time, that may not like plans, that might not like a lot of structure, but magicians are our inventors. There are musicians. There are, they are our comedians. They're the funny ones. They're the wise ones. They're the teachers. They're the people that sit and meditate or go for a long walk in the meadow and come back with some idea. However, magicians don't always follow through on the ideas all that much. So they give it to the sovereign and the warriors and they go do it. Uh, next, we have the lover. S- simple as, right? The lover is somebody who focuses on connection. They care about children. They care about the old. They, they want to be connected. They don't care too much about issues and conflicts. They would rather make sure that everything's okay. And so that's kind of the fun divide between your warrior energy and your lover energy is that let's say your husband comes home and you told him, you told him to stop by the post office and pick up this important package. Okay. And he forgot. And when he comes home, you know, the warrior energy is going to be like, I told you to pick up the package. I just wanted the, the package. Okay. And, and they want to deal with the conflict. And maybe the husband <laughs> is like... Why couldn't you get the fucking package? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the husband might be like, I'm sorry, like, and wants to know that we're okay. But you like, I, I can't hug you or kiss you until I know that you have a plan in place to get the package. Um, and then if you're more in the lover energy, then you know, you're going to focus on the connection before the issue or maybe not the issue at all. And so those are the four type, those are the four main archetypes that we all have, right? And we've seen them depicted in for hundreds, thousands of years through various texts like the Bibles and, and the Bibles, the Bible. And, uh, and, and we see that within people. However, we specifically will lean into one of those archetypes more than the other especially in times of stress. So when we get knocked off balance, when our partner or our parent or our child or our coworker kind of gets on our nerves, we're going to act in accordance primarily with one of those four more so than the other, the others, I should say. And those arise in a lot of different ways, right? So if we think about the sovereign energy, if you're somebody who lives more in that sovereign king, queen energy, and somebody stresses you out, someone, you know, you get triggered, you get knocked off balance. You have a tendency to get a little bossy. You have a tendency to want to control the situation. You want to be in charge. You want, <laughs> you want to make sure that there's a plan in place, right? You might, you might not be super upset that you were going to make an orange sherbet for your dinner party and the person who was supposed to bring oranges forgot to bring oranges. You're not going to be super mad that the fact that you don't have oranges, you're just going to be mad at the fact that they were supposed to bring the oranges and they didn't abide by the plan. (laughs) And so they get a little bossy, they get a little domineering, they get a little tyrannical. That's the sovereign energy when you get knocked off balance. You have a tendency to lack humility 
and to fixate on plan and workability. Next, we have the warrior. Warrior, very, very seldom, actually never, has victim mentality. They don't really get depressed. They don't feel bad about themselves. They don't feel down. They're doers. They want to do things. And so when they get knocked off balance, they get triggered. They have a tendency to just fix issues. Let's uh, I, let's think about the, per the guy in a relationship. It could be a girl too, but let's just think about a, a, a partner in a relationship. West of beauty is, a, is it's a more masculine energy, but it does not, these, these archetypal natures do not pick gender. They just don't. Um, and so they want to fix, they want to help. Is this where you would say that women who are deemed masculine fall into some of those um, archetypal natures within themselves of, for whatever reason, right? I don't think I don't think women necessarily choose to be in that independent masculine phase. I think that certain things in life happen to them and they've learned to protect themselves and make sure that if, if, if they've gone through something where they've lost trust and they don't believe they have a core belief that they can't trust other people, then they're like, whatever it is, I'll get it done. Whatever I need to do, I'll do it. Like that's how you protect yourself from that experience again. And I think the manifestation of this, this language of masculine and feminine, I think I think people get it into, again, that dichotomous thinking of black and white. It's like, oh, she's masculine. It's like, no, she, every human being kind of operates on a spectrum. And when stress is pushing that spectrum to be functional to that being, they have that inherent kind of programming, if you will, that guides them to behave in a certain We started seeing this transition, right? We started seeing where, you know, it doesn't, it, even if you're not in the masculine energy, which a lot of women are just born into it. They just naturally are um, that they get thrust into it. You know, you become a mother and now you have no choice, but to be more organized unless you just are going to run a completely chaotic household. And some people do, <laughs> but a lot of times, you know, when women become mothers or they become in charge of, you know, more things like that, where they have a business or they have, you know, a career or a life or anything. And now you have a child and now you have all these other responsibilities that you're doing because you're an adult. And sometimes the man doesn't step into that role as much as we would like them to, right? That you have to, somebody has to step into that role to avoid utter chaos. And so, yeah, we start seeing that shift. We start seeing that kind of balance each other out. So people. when it comes to relationship dynamics, then would you say, because my first question is, do you agree or disagree that polarities in temperament of masculine and feminine are what balance a relationship? Um, because one thing that I see, and, and I would love to hear your take on kind of modern masculinity and where it's at and what you think some of the problems might be that are contributing to that. And we can talk about that because I have my own kind of takes on that. But the other thing is too, is you'll find that masculine men do not like masculine women. And it seems no. as though the, the, the spark between them is more like a volcanic eruption of just chaos yep. and fire. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know when it comes to partner selection around temperament, what is, what do you find or what do you, the people that you've learned from find are the, the best balance between the two? 
And what do you think is contributing to some of the issues that we're seeing right now in relationships and dynamics, knowing that, you know, there are more women today over the age of 30 who are who don't have children that want children in the same side of the coin with men, too, who want to be able to get married and have kids. But it's not coming to fruition in the modern world. So what do you think is contributing to that? Or have you guys spoken upon that? And I'd love to, to hear if you have. Yeah, 100 percent. And it's absolutely true. You're more of that external realm. And I'm not, I'm more of the internal realm. I'm the magician, but we're both at a one. We're going to work through things and you're going to be able to understand me and I'll be able to understand you. And we're not really going to get triggered and things can move on fantastically. However, the more out of balance we step, the more we go towards nine or 10, then the more your opposition steps toward nine or 10, because think about this. Like if you were going to be triggered, like if I were to trigger you, like I'm doing that kind of intentionally, which means I'm off balance. And so now you have a choice to either follow me through that dysfunction, right? And go, if I'm at a level seven and I come home and I trigger you, you know, what you, what usually happens, you join me, right? Right. That's what happens in relationships. And so when we see this over masculinity or over femininity it's that's kind of where it comes from is because it feeds each other um if some if if every single guy in the world was a very balanced masculine person there would be no chaotic feminine energy and vice versa it's because it just it's just the balance if i'm balanced and i can always be there and be present and calm my partner down how often is my partner going to lose her shit? for mm. example, right? Yeah. She might continue, but then that would be me to be like, nah, maybe we're not the right fit. And, and so that's kind of what we see is, oh, we see toxic femininity, right? Well, what's that off the heels of? There's fuel to that fire. Somebody has to be counterbalancing that. And if it's not another man, then it's going to be somebody else that's, that, that's either fueling that fire or feeding it from the other side. So in relationships, that's what we see. And so, and going back to your earlier point is yes, you know, a, the, the opposites, there's a sovereign and then the magician, those are the two opposite realms. One likes order and workability. One likes spontaneity and fun and freedom. And then, you know, and vice versa with the, or the same with the uh, warrior and the lover. One wants to deal with issues and win and go all out and, you know, savage masculine kind of energy. And one just wants to connect and love and they have to counterbalance each other to some degree. Right. And that's why, you know, two warriors is a real hard one because it's just going to be like you said, it's a volcano. It's just going to erupt. I'm going to start yelling. Then you're going to start yelling. I'm going to yell louder. You're going to yell louder because we can both yell and yell and yell. Mm -hmm. um, so somebody has to step into that more lover realm. Otherwise the relationship will just end. So that's kind of how, that's kind of how it counters each other. Does that answer your question? Yeah. And I think you, you nailed it. And, um, my, my curiosity is one that you mentioned kind of a balanced masculine. And so when you talk about some of the pairings and we're talking about archetypes is one thing that you leaned into is kind of the warrior and the lover. But the way that I could see that a warrior taken to the extreme, so meaning they don't have 
the awareness of the other archetypes in their own temperament and nature. I could see that becoming somewhere to the extreme of a of what we would say in psychology would be more narcissistic or borderline um, personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And if you have somebody who's to that extreme, paired with somebody who's on the other extreme, like the lover who's highly empathetic, wants to make sure everybody's taken care of, doesn't like arguments, doesn't like to go back and forth with people, really wants just peace. Do you see where that relationship dynamic becomes toxic? And how would somebody know if they were with somebody based on kind of the archetypal nature of their partner, whether that was something that would be productive in their future goals and vision by cultivating the relationship together, or indeed, if it's something that is inevitably detrimental long-term? Okay. So are you meaning being in a relationship with somebody who's narcissistic? Well, I'm, I'm trying to, basically what I'm trying to do is align what I know in psychology and with what you've mentioned around archetypes, right? And so if we have the warrior or the sovereign, you know, it could be either of those. I'm not sure if I've diagnosed that one correctly, but either way, taken to the extreme where they don't have the capacity to channel the other archetypal energies Mm -hmm. that they embody to the point where it could become to the extreme of the manifestation of those archetypal characteristics and paired in Mm -hmm. tandem with somebody who is of the lover kind of archetype taken to the extreme. So that would be somebody who I would see as highly empathetic, sensitive, mm-hmm. not non-combative, like somebody like that to where is that dynamic where we see the manifestation in your opinion, you know, is that something where we would see the manifestation of something toxic? Perpetually? No, no, because if someone is overly in that lover realm and they placate and they, they they back they bow down and they get away from conflict then they could stay with a narcissist for a long time that that actually works uh, or somebody who's overly toxic because you know in all archetypal natures are not great or not good in their imbalanced form you know because if you think about somebody who's overly empathetic they kind of push people to being more aggressive you know what I mean? Like think about a relationship. And if one of the people, one of the person, one of the two doesn't really speak much and just kind of bows down and just kind of doesn't ever talk when something's bothering them or anything like that, the other person is naturally going to be like, will you just tell me what you want? Yeah. Will you just speak up? Will you fucking tell me what's going on, Kate? You know? So it, it, yeah. Like, it's not just that somebody starts out in that really aggressive warrior place. They can narcissists kind of do. Yeah. But a lot of times it's the op, the, the opposition that is thrusting that person into that role. It's just like, so the magician, right? The magician in a very unbalanced form is not on time. They are late to everything. They just want freedom. You know, Kate, you asked me, Hey Tanner, what are you doing? You know, Friday at 6 PM. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, you know, because if I commit to, to doing something with you Friday at 6 PM, then I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing at Friday at 5 50 PM. I don't know how I'm going to feel. Right. And, yeah. and, and you are like, will you just tell me so I could put it in my goddamn diary, please. You know, so it makes people that, that internal <laughs> realm of the magician and the, the lover makes people bossy and domineering and aggressive. And so that's the thing that we see is like a narcissistic person or somebody who is a level seven, eight, nine warrior, imbalanced form warrior. They have to be with a level seven, eight, nine lover. 
They have to be with, it, it's say they're going to be that way or the lover's just not going to be with them. Right. Because like, it, so you if think you, it's to the degree in which they're in their extremes, it's actually something that works as a dynamic. So do you think it's the closer than they are to the same archetypal nature is where they're dysfunctional? Uh, dysfunction's kind of all over the board. You know, you, like if you have, it doesn't matter what arch, the archetypes are, if they're both at a level seven or an eight and they're dysfunction, then it's, it's just, that's where it's going to be. Cause you're at a level seven or eight dysfunction. You're just barely keeping your shit together. You're, you know, you're, you know, if you're in the masculine energy, you're just ready. You're just a volcano ready to explode. You're just ready to fight somebody on the street. You're ready to, you're just looking for that fight. Right. And you know, if you, or if you're in the magician realm, then you're just, you can't hold your shit together. You're terrible with money. You, you can't get on, you can't be on time anywhere. You can't do anything. People just constantly want to wrangle you in and it's frustrating for them. Right. And so, yeah. And the more that you step towards the center, the more you are calm and balanced and wise, and you can see things from the other point of view, because when we're triggered, when we get off balanced, when we are in that six, seven, eight of dysfunction within our archetypal patterns, our nature, we are right, aren't we? We're completely justified in however we choose to act because I'm mad. You did something to me. I'm triggered. I'm right. You're wrong. Right? Hmm. Well, okay. But if I was at a level one or a two or a three, I might go, Hmm. What do I know? Does Kate, did Kate really mean to offend me there? Hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe this is going on. Ah, you know, whatever. There's all these different reasons. Ah, you know, she kind of usually acts more in her sovereign external realm. And maybe I'm just being a bit foxy and kind of misunderstood what she's mean. You know what I mean? So you're balanced, you're calm. And so now I don't have to add fuel and maybe you were triggered. Maybe you were taking it out on me a little bit, but if I can go, ah, there's a lot of reasons why Kate might be mad right now. And then I still talk to you in my calm and balanced self. Now you either calm down and move to the center with me or it makes you mad. And then if I remain set and balanced, regardless of what archetype it is, then our relationship's just not going to last very long. But that comes down to the, the self-respect or the self-love of each individual and their ability to recognize those patterns. So that's the cool thing about archetypes is... I think you mentioned it earlier that we didn't, I didn't quite touch on it, but when you recognize these archetypal patterns within your partner, you realize that, oh, okay, when we get off balance, we get triggered, you know, he's not very empathetic. He's not very compassionate. He raises his voice, you know, but then you can understand, oh, okay. He's living in that warrior energy. And even though sometimes it's scary and sometimes he's a bit verbal and sometimes, you know, uh, I just want him to, to, to tell me that everything's okay and understand that I'm hurting. He's going to, that man is absolutely, oh, that man wants to go fight and die for you or woman, whatever. You know what I mean? That person might not be super compassionate right now. They might have to learn that vulnerability to really connect on that higher level, but they have the good qualities too. Because that's the thing is like that person's inherent agenda at birth is to fight and die for the people that he cares about or she cares about, period. That's, that's the life and the agenda 
of the warrior. That's what they do. They don't have time to be vulnerable and compassionate. They're out guarding the gates to keep the village from safe from the Vikings. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the understanding is like, oh, okay, now I understand them. I can step into the center and realize that maybe I don't need to be upset at this. Maybe I don't need to be wrapped up in all these emotions and dance with somebody else who's also imbalanced because that just pushes the other person into further imbalance. And so, like you said, you know, we look around and see toxic relationships or toxic masculinity or toxic mm -hmm. femininity. And on the other side of that is the opposite. So if what you do you think is the contributing factor to kind of where the spectrum has fallen in both masculinity and femininity? Because what I see now is a much more unbalanced distribution on both sides. So you have men who are like super on the masculine beating drum and you have men who are more towards the feminine temperament of that drum. And then you have women who are towards more of the, I would say toxic feminine nature. Mm -hmm. And then you have women who are more on the other, other side of the coin. And it's like, you can kind of see the patterns of which attract which and which ones kind of don't. And I'm curious on, well, do you see a problem in modern day masculinity? I think that would be my first question before I ask you, what do you think that is? Well, no. Okay. And so for the people who do believe that there is a problem in modern masculinity, what do you think they're missing? Well, let me first ask if I got that right. Or do you mean like toxic masculinity, masculinity, like overbearing men? Or do you mean no, like I weak men? No, I think that men? men have, I think men are weak. Okay. 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 Yeah, sure. I would agree. And then I'd also look around at a huge uprising of feminine energy. Do you mean feminine energy as, as to the degree of being more of the lover or magician, or do you mean the feminine energy that is now geared towards masculine frames as far as warrior sovereign? Yep. I was just going to clarify. Yes. The uprising of, you know, the boss bitch culture of, I don't need no man, uh, me too. All these things that, um, are an overcorrection really. Like I'm not, I don't, that might offend some people, but I think it's absolutely, I think it's true. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm all for equality and all for everything like that. But if we take it too far, then the balance has to work itself out because that kind of mentality in a woman just is not going to work with a man who is willing to stand up and, you know, head up shoulders back and go through life as the man, because that, that woman wouldn't allow that, or it's just going to be complete volcano, as you said. And so if a man wants a relationship with a woman who's in that energy, they have to move into the opposing energy. Otherwise it just doesn't work. It'll never work. So this is, so first I, I agree. And this is kind of how I see it playing out. So I see women who are pushed towards this. Women and men are the same. We can do the same we're built the same. Okay. That's the narrative. And so you see them push with careers. You see them push with their ambition, which again, I'm not against it whatsoever. If you are an ambitious person, love that for you. But what you see then, because if you also understand what I, I talked to you about this before we got on, but 
in the realm of evolutionary psychology, what we do see is kind of this dominance hierarchy. And what you'll note, and again, this is not anything to be upset or triggered by, but women will date up and across when it comes to IQ, when it comes to income, when it comes to mm -hmm. status, right? Women like to mm -hmm. date men that they are inspired by, right? Someone mm -hmm. that they can genuinely look up to. Okay. Men are the opposite. Men date mm -hmm. down and across. So most men don't give a fuck how much money women make. I know that we think that they do, but on average, most men actually don't care. Um, and so the way that I see this playing out now is that women who are successful and who are kind of cultivating by their own ambition and merit to chase all of these things, right. For whatever purpose is, is their own internal battle battle to sort out. But what they're looking for is men who are above them and men who are across from them, which also makes mm -hmm. the dating market from them significantly more difficult to find somebody of that. So you're already kind of minimizing the pool. And then if you are somebody who has a certain temperament and also wants to be somebody who's successful on their own merit, but wants to be provided for and taken care of and challenged by a man, you also see them tend to be polarized to men who are going to be more on the toxic side of that masculinity spectrum because they are the ones who are willing to shut them up, put them in their place, right? Command excellence. You will respect me. You'll do what I say. And for a woman who's more on the masculine side of the temperament, that's where that kind of volcano tends to erupt. On the other exactly. side of that, women who like being bossy and who are kind of building their own things, what I see play out, and again, this is from my own small pool of experience, so I'm not saying this is universally true, though I do believe it's directionally correct, is that women who are leading in the house with income and, and IQ and all that stuff, they tend to find men who are more submissive to them and men mm -hmm. who are kind of more domesticated maybe. And the problem with that, that I see overall is that men want to be respected more than they want to be loved. Like I genuinely believe that to be true. And if you're a female leading the home, so you're playing the masculine role, I don't see how that allows for women not to resent the person that they're with. And so that's where I think a lot of the, and if we look at statistics, women tend to initiate divorce more than men, specifically mm -hmm. if they are higher income earners than their partner. And so I think a lot of this is just leading to bigger problems within our society long-term. And I want to be super clear. I think equal opportunity is important, but I also find that there's enforcement of the opportunity, meaning I'll give you a clear example of this. Women who want to be stay-at-home moms, they want to raise their kids. They want to be around, right? Their partner is successful enough where they're like, hey, don't worry about it. You take, you stay home, you take care of the kids. Other women will gossip about them and judge and shame them because, oh, it must be nice not to work. Oh, it must be nice mm -hmm. to just take care of the kids. It's like, that's a whole ass job, friend. That's a whole ass job. And so what I see is not only the opportunity being there, but there's a lot of pressure to pursue it. And so if you don't, there's also a lot of people that will kind of judge you and shame you and gossip about you. That's how women compete um, with one mm -hmm. another is through gossip and slander. And so I think that while the opportunity should be there, we've lost sight of individual choice to pursue that or not. And there's also a lot of, you know, um, economic pressures to do so and governmental policies to do so. And so I think what we've lost sight of is while you can pursue something and have the equal opportunity that also doesn't mean equal outcome. And I think mm. 
that it's it's cultivated a lot of the issues that we see now within our society and our relationships and in families and in nuclear homes and divorces yeah. and all yes. of that stuff. So how do we fix this? Like in your opinion, <laughs> in your opinion, because you said it has to it has to fix itself. So if indeed we cannot combat the energies of the universe and this is biologically I, uh, wired, how does this play out? Well, you know, it's funny that you asked me this question because there's a theory that I have personally come up with that we've already done so before. Mm. And I hate, well, and I, and I, like I said, it's something that I, that I thought about and penciled out a time or two, but I got to thinking, you know, how for so long we had women kind of held down. Right. And so I was like, why, why did we, what did we just do that? We were just cavemen and just decided that that's how it was going to be. Well, I'll, I'll hold on before you continue. What I'll say is this. If we go back, and again, this is where people will be upset. Like reality was reality then, and it is what it was. If you're talking about who's going to go to war, who has the power and the dominance to be able to fight, do you think women are going to be in the front line of a war? Are you joking? No, they're not. We're not built for that. We can say that we are, but when Bush comes to shove, if anything were to happen, especially where the kind of global temperature is right now, men are going to be out there willing to fucking die, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you need somebody who needs to hold the homestead down, who needs to make sure that the children are okay, right? Naturally and biologically, that is more of a female temperament. That does not mean that there not, are not men who are totally invested in their children. That it would be wildly untrue oh. for you to say. That's totally oh, true. Yeah. But if we're looking at it from a survival standpoint, when you don't know, because you don't have social media, you can't research your opposition to find out if they're good people, bad people, what they're up to, what their interests are. You can't do that back then, right? So you had to take people hmm. at face value. Do they look like my tribe? Are they a part of my tribe? Okay, they're safe. Do they not look like my tribe? Are they are they a villain? Are they my adversary? Right? Do I need to protect yep. myself? And so I think over time, we don't need to do that anymore. That's correct. And so that's, well, I, I actually would somewhat disagree, especially with, like <laughs> I said, if you look at the modern world today and some of the global temperature, I think that I think that we need to go back to some of those roles and respect them. Because if indeed World War Three pops off, and I pray to God it doesn't, but at the end of the day, we're going to need masculine men who can fight, right? I yeah. don't, I don't respectfully, like, I don't care what, what, what arena you want to put this into, men are significantly more strong and more powerful than women are from a physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so, and yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there, but to go off of that, I don't believe there'll ever be a time where 100% of the men or even 90 or even 80% of the men are domesticated weaklings. It's just not how it's going to work. It just, it just won't. I mean, we, like and we're going back to the archetypal natures is that it's not an accident it, it's we are born primarily leaning into one of those agendas and so male or female we there's going to be men warriors and they're just born to to take over that role and all across all four because we need those four things to survive as a species we have to have inventors and creators and entertainers we have to have loving nurturing people who are willing to cook and take care of the sick and the old and the young and the warriors that come back from war we have to have the people that protect us period end of story and we have to have people that are willing to organize and lead the tribe always and forever so i don't think there's going to come a time where we 
where men are just a bunch of weaklings, I think if you, they might be domesticated to a point that our society has pushed them into, I'll agree there. However, if you remove them and you put them back into a bunch of men, a, a group of a bunch of men, their primal instincts are going to take over. That suppressed warrior that was just suppressed by their wife or suppressed by society or whatever is going to unleash itself. And I'll give you an example. People, men who go do terrible things, mm -hmm. are they the ones that are in the gym working out? Are they the ones that are very, very sporty? Are they the ones that go and like box for uh, or do MMA as a hobby? Are they the little weaklings that suppress that warrior energy inside? And that's another thing is that men have that. Men have to let that out. And that, I think that's the problem that we're heading to is domesticating men to the point where they bury that, that, that primal warrior energy to the point where they go do something fucking terrible. So I think if a world war three comes around and you took men and you put them with a bunch of men in boot camp and gave them guns and told them, this is what we're doing, that it would be fine. They, they would get back. They'd get back with the picture and do it. And a lot of women too. Women are, women will do that too. There's women warriors all over the place. <laughs> I know <laughs> you, you have quite, you have a lot of warrior energy in you. So, you know, I know, like, I know. That's why I have to laugh. It's like some of the comments you make. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> But yeah, I also think, I and like, here's also, because I've thought about this, because I think about a lot of things. So my two natural instincts, I'll tell you my first one. If we were to go into World War Three, I would totally dive into the Air Force. Like, I would just be like, all right, I, I can't ground pound like my dad did. But my dad was also my biological father. So my, my stepfather, who I consider my father, was a Marine. And my biological father was an F-16 colonel and a pilot. My mom was in the Air Force as well. And so I'm like, okay, well, if I, if we ended up going into this, this thing, like I couldn't sit here and not know what was going on. It's just not, mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. It would drive me insane. And so I'd have to be a part of it. But I also acknowledge that my intellectual drive and my ability to learn is a lot faster than my ability to grow and, and increase my strength and performance. And so I would want to put myself into a situation where I had awareness of what was going on. So I had some degree of intelligence and I could contribute in a way that I think would align with that warrior mentality of mine of like, I got to help conquer this shit and I need to be a part of it to just get it done. Like if I can help, I want to help. Mm -hmm. But I also know, and I do think a lot of the women who maybe are more masculine in temperament, maybe not to the degree of a warrior, but maybe more of the sovereign, I think that we would see a lot of them come together and make sure that the homestead was safe. Like, mm -hmm. I think that that would naturally happen. So then the question becomes like, is that the only way to reconcile these differences in what we've seen as far as masculine suppression. But also, again, you have to talk about the degree in which feminine energy is suppressed. Cause I know mine was for a really long time. I mean, I've started to pick that up over the last couple of years, which has been great for me, but like, I do think that there's almost this, this also drive to, Hey, you compartmentalize those emotions, girl, like that will make you weak. You're around men. You need to be strong, especially coming up in athletics and around men a lot. It's like, you couldn't show that side of you if you wanted to be, competitive at, to the, to a high degree. And so what other mechanism do you think if there is one that would, that would allow people to naturally embody their biological wiring that we know that the genders and their differences do contain? Awareness. I mean, uh, that's, that's the long short of it, right? What's, what's the, how do you grow as a person? 
how do you become wise? How do you grow but into eldership? But how do we as a society cultivate that level of awareness? And not necessarily even the, the awareness, because again, it doesn't matter that you and I, and I love that we're sitting here talking about this, but at the same time, when you when you have the majority of people telling men you need, in order for you to solve these problems, you just need to talk about it. We just got to talk about it. You got to let it out. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, relationship advice is, is written by out-of-balance lovers, and they're intended for out-of-balance lovers to tell everybody else that they're wrong. Okay. And that's the big thing. That So a lot of relationship advice, and this is coming straight from the person who I learned all this from, which I have to give credit to because yeah. it, it's just his body of knowledge that kind of created this or looked into this. And that name, his name is Rory Kilmartin. And so if you're really curious about archetypes, survival archetypes, finding out what your archetypal pattern is and everything, I would go to him because he's going to, he's the expert on it. He developed this body of knowledge, but yeah, I mean, let's repeat the question again. Yeah. How do you, how do you see as far as cultivating awareness? Because in modern society, the, the bigger voices, not saying that the pendulum can't swing because we know it does, but right now what's pounding the alarm and what's obviously not working because even in psychology, when I look at the numbers, one of the biggest demographics that's needs actual attention to the, the recognition that the systems that we've deployed for men are they're just not working, right? If you look mm -hmm. at suicide rates in men, over 90% mm -hmm. of the men who committed suicide, I think since 2021, I'd have to repull the data, but they went to therapy. It's not that they didn't seek help. And so what the yeah. process is that we're doing for them and how we're providing them service is not helping them. And so no, instead exactly. of taking accountability for that and going, okay, the systems that we're deploying for men are not helping them. Instead, we're no. We're just saying, well, they need to talk more about it. They weren't honest or whatever their, whatever the, the excuse might be. But I find that to be totally invalid. And so how do yeah. we get to a point where we recognize men are tactical beings? They're doers. They need to do things. They need to have hope. Because I think somebody said this, and I can't remember the exact quote, but essentially like women and men, when they're suicidal, like men are only pushed to that point when they genuinely cannot see a solution, when they have no out. Right. It's mm -hmm. like, whereas women are different and I can't, I'll have to pull the quote because now it just doesn't make sense. But the, the reasons that both, both sexes engage in that type of behavior is different and men are very intellectually and logically driven. And so yep. if they cannot find a way out of their current circumstances and they've thought about it, that's what leads them to that destructive path. And so how do we come together as a society or as a group or where does, you know, I guess talking is what people would normally say is just talk to people around you and have those conversations. And that's great. But on a larger scale, how do you, outside of World War III, if we wanted men to step into that warrior element, not to the extreme where it's toxic, but to where they're balanced and they have the permission to be able to operate that way functionally, how do we do that? Whew. God, I wish I had the the full scale answer, but that's, yeah, we've been suppressing masculinity for a long time. I mean, we started back in the, you know, seventies, eighties for sure. Um, definitely into the nineties, we made a big push with in the universities where we started pushing towards this heavy, heavy liberalistic mindset. I don't mean to cast shame or blame or disparage anybody's political beliefs, but you know what I mean when I say far left yeah. thinking. 
And, and yeah, and a lot of times the solutions that we have in psychology don't pertain directly to the agenda that a man is born with. And that's exactly it is, is the, the, the archetypes that I'm talking about. Those are not just fun little things that we sometimes act like they're more serious than we think they are a part of you. Like if you are born a full warrior, like you're talking about these men, if they can't protect their family or the people that they love, they would rather be dead. And so that's why suicide rates are so high in men. If they feel like they can't provide or they can't protect or they can't be the person that others can count on, it's not worth living. It's not worth it. It's just like a, a magician. If they can't be heard, if they're not taken seriously, if they can't give their gifts to everybody else, they would rather be dead. It, it's not worth it to them. It's it's just not worth it. Same with the lovers. So if they can't connect and feel close to, to their family, their husband or wife or their children, I don't want to be here anymore. And and yeah, we we built America on that masculine energy. I mean, we are so warrior. I mean, just to like, fuck you. We're going over here. We're creating a country. We're going to build it. We're going to make it happen. We're going to win. Everyone's a winner. Let's fucking go. And then now, yeah, we're, we're trying to push masculinity away. We're trying to say, no, that's not the way. No, and not even just pushing equal. it away though. We're vilifying it. Like exactly. every sacrifice every man has made so that we can have the, the privileges that we do today. Yeah. Like we just say that they're, they're all evil. They were toxically masculine and they were this and yeah. that. like, does that. And I think the problem is like, you can have somebody who's done terrible things. Who's also done some amazing things. Two things can be true at the same time. Yeah, and it's like, true. while all of the practices that we have in our history, and I will no way condone slavery or anything or racism or anything along those lines, that does not mean that every ounce of anything they ever did is evil. Right. Yeah. That is something that I can't agree with, but now we have all of this time and this privilege and this safety and this protection where we can just point the finger at one another, which is so counterproductive. I just don't, oh, of course. but I don't understand why that happened other than if I look kind of at the liberation of women and like third, fourth wave feminism and the birth control pill and things like that, that have contributed to some of the things that we see today. But mm -hmm. behind that, like we even look at like old fairy tales now. And instead of Prince Charming and, and the princess coming together and finding love, like once upon a time, it's like the warrior females, like, fuck that guy. I can do it on my own. Like he's a bitch. Exactly. Like, I don't... And so it's like, exactly. why are we, why are we painting that adversarial image? Right. And I can see where maybe because it's self-destruction, but why? Why would you want it's self, that? It's self-destruction. And so that, I mean, we can get into a whole nother conspiracy theory. I mean, one that even Jordan Peterson talked to a little bit as he saw into the universities where that was starting to change. It's self-destruction. It's, but and it's, why? well, because, and it's not necessarily self. One of the, one of the theories is that there was people from other world powers that came over and really influenced the thought process in the universities around the United States. I'm not going to say whether that's right or wrong. That's a theory yep. where they came over and started changing a lot of the mentality and they started implementing this far left thinking in the hopes to, yeah, in the hopes to, yeah, weaken the country 
completely because yeah like i like i was saying we are built on masculine energy we were built strong hard fast now and that's not just men that was women like think of world war ii and how incredible the women were in world war ii the men were fighting the women were building ships <laughs> they were building ships and planes you know what i mean so even like and so now we're influencing and we're pushing that away and the more that we have this toxic femininity this far left thinking we have to counterbalance that and then what are and like you kind of touched on it like what are men judged by in this world they're judged by their achievements yep the things they have the land they have the family they have and so great so if you make this huge boss bitch culture and, and suppress the men you take all of that away from them they have nothing and, society. Again, the, and I think it's just acknowledging the fact that men's temperament is never going to be to sit at home and cook and do the laundry. It's just not men. Nope. Unless they can spend two to four hours a day lifting heavy weights or punching a bag or doing something. Yeah, they have, they, yeah, men have to do something like that. They have to be in charge of something. They have to have some kind of significance. And that's the thing is like, even so we have the archetypal agendas that don't you know, follow gender, but we do have the gender roles, right? It's like women naturally, correct me if I'm wrong, but naturally you spoke on it earlier. Like, what do you really want to do? What do women really want to do? Especially as they get into their early thirties. Love and be loved. Most of the time. They want to have, they kids. want to, they want to be loved and they want to have kids. Exactly. And that is, that's fulfilling. Now being a father is fulfilling as well, but you know, society doesn't look at you that way. And as you pointed earlier, you date over and up. And so if society doesn't deem your man as everything he should be just because he's a father, that's a real tough pill to swallow. That's a real tough pill because now you stop accepting him. Now you stop respecting him. Now you have control over him. And now you start to resent him. Yes, because, and I'll and he, say this, like, and I know people might disagree. And again, I'm speaking from my own perspective. But I have tried to date men who I genuinely think are just good men, but they don't have that warrior ambition vision. I think men need to have a vision and it's attractive when they're working towards something and they care about something and they're passionate. It's like that is something that tells me like one, he will always provide because he's a go getter. He'll find a way. I love that Two, Like he's passionate in a way that allows him to express that passion to me and it makes me feel excited and you know it brings out almost like that magician energy in the female yeah. it's like it makes you want to be their supporter and be their creative and be the the lover as well and i think a man without a vision and without permission to express his masculinity especially in a manner that's productive because it's moving towards something that will not just benefit them and their families but ideally society why would you not think that they will become destructive Right. Masculine yeah. energy that's not channeled towards something positive is inevitably channeled towards something negative because you cannot dissociate from the masculine in itself. Yeah, exactly. 100%. And that's it. And like you said, it's get, life's getting easy. You know, we don't like we're not tending farm as 10, 12 year olds anymore as men like growing up fast, getting married at 15 and having to do those things. No, men now can stay at home until they're 25 
And that's, that's bad. That's so damaging. And then you think about like one of the most damaging things you can do to a man is give him money for nothing. And that's what we're trying to do, right? People want money for nothing. And wow, that, that hits home hard for men because it solidifies the fact that they're useless, that they don't have a purpose, that they're just being taken care of instead of taking care of others. And again, going back to the agenda that a lot of that masculine energy is, if they know that they're not the ones providing, they're not the ones protecting, they're not the ones taking care of, you know, their family or their loved ones, it's a fate worse than death. It doesn't matter if you give that man a million dollars a month to do nothing. It eventually will eat at him because he's not doing anything to, to earn it or deserve it. And other people will eventually see that. And it's, yeah, it's bad. So I want to end this with something hopeful. <laughs> so <laughs> when it comes to all of the things that you've learned in studying these things, to a male who's listening to this or a female who's listening to this, what piece of advice would you give them that they can that they can focus on when it comes to whether it's improving the relationship they have with themselves, the relationship they have with their partner, or the relationship they have with surrounding individuals that are within their sphere? What advice would you give them if they wanted to feel like they could start doing something positive to either balance their archetypal nature or to empower their awareness to have better discernment and overall self-control to the degree in which they might push the thermometer in a state of stress? Yeah. I mean, it, it would be first identifying kind of where you leaned into or where you, you, you spend a lot of your time as far as your archetypal nature, you know, are you one that wants to provide and you, you stand up and you, um, you know, you have to say something, you don't have victim mentality, but you kind of lack vulnerability and compassion. Okay. You're a warrior. So now you can start to work through that and understand that. How do I become a, a better partner for the person I care about? Well, to be more vulnerable, to be more compassionate and to take that step towards the center in that regard. And so each of them are the same in that, in that same pattern. Like, are you more spontaneous and fun and deal with procrastination and sabotage, but you always come up with good ideas and everyone's mad at you because you're late to a dinner party. All right. Well, you live in the magician realm. And so how could you help yourself right now is be able to understand a little more organizing in your life is going to help a lot, a little bit more accountability is going to help a lot. And that's going to immediately get rid of stress, you know, limiting the amount of agreements you make with yourself, you know, cause that's, that's a big thing is everybody wants to live this entrepreneur life and they put too much on their plate and then they can't uphold it and it makes them feel like shit. And so if you're not in that warrior energy, then identify that, you know, maybe limit yourself, limit the amount of agreements that you have, but all in all, regardless, it's just being able to look into it, to be introspective, and to see what is it that I'm dealing with or going through and how is my partner reacting? Because one thing that a lot of people, I mean, if you still think that you, that your partner is crazy or that your partner acts in a way that you hate or anything like that, or your partner, this, your partner, that, then you have to wake up. You have to wake up because your partner acts solely off of your lead. And that's not to be like a man leading. That's just, if you act in a way that is causing a reaction, if you hate that your wife or your husband or your boyfriend is bossy and domineering and where are you, what are you doing? And naggy, then look at yourself and be like, what, what is causing that? 
Because if you fail to uphold your agreements, if you fail to be on time, if you fail to pick up little Johnny from soccer practice, like you said you would, people are going to try to control you. So if you have a nagging wife, start identifying. Maybe it's because I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. If you have somebody that's overbearing and yelling at you all the time and just, ah, come on, Kate, just come on, what the fuck do you want? Identify. Is it because I'm failing to speak up? Am I holding in my emotions and my thoughts? Maybe if I did just tell them what I want, maybe they'll, they won't have to yell at me. And so that's something that you can do to, to start helping your relationships now is just what is your behavior and what is the resulting behavior? If, if you have a conflict or a breakdown, be introspective about it. Come at it with curiosity. Look at your part in it. And it's going to be hard and not a lot of people are going to want to do it. And if you have, if you're already calling me wrong or saying, oh, you know, fuck you, I'm not doing that shit. Well, then you're not ready to. And that's your path and that's your journey. But if you want to have, you know, fulfilling relationships with the people that you care about, if you want to grow wise, if you want to become an elder, if you want to be liked, be respected by others, then you have to take full responsibility for your behavior because your behavior is what everybody else is learning how to treat you off of. So that was amazing. Tanner. Yeah. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys mm -hmm. next time. I will link all of Tanner's information below so that you can creep on his amazing mind. Tanner, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate you too. Thanks.